Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on the basis of Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21 on July 24, 2022. The sermon text for today from Genesis chapter 50. This is the, the uh, aftermath. After Jacob has been, been buried, now there's there's continued interaction between Joseph and his brothers. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father, When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and spoke kindly to them. This is God's word. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our forgiving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you made it through high school uh, literature class, chances are you've at least heard of this guy. Uh, Maybe you've even read uh, something from him. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, considered by a lot of people to be one of the most famous Uh, He's at least on the list, anyways, of the most famous poets and authors uh, in America. But if there's another list that he probably made it on, it was probably one of the most disturbed uh, ones as well. His his poetry, his writing, it it was kind of dark. It kind of reflected maybe a little bit of his his own heart there. Uh, Aside from The the Raven, which is probably his most popular work, uh, the next most popular, uh, maybe even rivals The Raven, is is the, The Telltale Heart. I don't think I have to say spoiler alert because this was written a long time ago, so if you haven't heard it now, you're going to hear at least a gist of it uh, this morning. Uh, In in this story, the telltale heart, the the narrator commits a murder and then buries that body beneath the the floorboards of of this room that he's in, and he thinks he's so smart in doing that. There is no way anybody is ever going to catch him, and even as the, the police officers come and stand in that very room where everything happened, he is confident. He's pretty confident that, that he's not going to get caught. He's going to get away with what he did. That is, until, until he hears what sounds like the beating of the victim's heart. And he can hear it so clearly. And it seems to even be getting louder to the point where he, he, he thinks that the police officers must, they just must hear that too. And it overwhelms him to the point where he finally breaks down and confesses to the entire crime right there and then. Now, the heart wasn't actually beating. The police officers couldn't actually hear it. But this story is is a very good illustration of the power of guilt on someone's heart. That, That guilt for this man manifested in him hearing things. He heard that that heart beating so clearly and so loudly, and that was his guilt working in him. 
Guilt is powerful. It can be very strong, and if you've lived any number of years on this earth, you know that too. You know that guilt can be a heavy thing to carry. Guilt can manifest in in a lot of different ways, and, and it's hard to get rid of. It's kind of sticky. But take heart, because God has provided you with someone who is stronger than guilt. So Joseph and his brothers, they're reunited, finally. It's been 20 years since Joseph's brothers have sold him into slavery, longer than that uh, now. But now they, they were back together. They, they were introduced in that dramatic scene again where Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. And now it had gotten to the point where they're all going to, to move down from Canaan, Jacob and, and all of the brothers are going to move down to, to Egypt and live in the land of Goshen. And so 66 of them in total come. That, that's all of his brothers, that's all of their family. They all move to Egypt and they live in the land of Goshen. And there they lived for 17 years. They survived the famine. Life was pretty good. In fact, if you were to just cheat a little bit and peek into the book of, of Exodus, uh, th- that starts, that book starts several hundred years later. And we see just how prosperous Jacob's family was. They, they grew and they grew to the point where the Pharaoh at that time in the book of Exodus, was, were a, he was afraid of them. He was afraid that they were so prosperous and they'd grown so much that they were going to overtake him. And so he subjected them to, to slavery at that point. But, but you can bet that, that if we kind of backtrack here, that, that those first 17 years and, and the rest of the time that, that Jacob's brothers or, or Joseph's brothers lived in Egypt, you can bet that things were pretty good and they prospered pretty well there in, in Egypt, in the land of Goshen. And then we get to, to Genesis 49 and Genesis 50, and we see the, the major event to happen, the next major event. Their father, the great patriarch Jacob, he dies. He dies at the old age of 147 there in Egypt, and they were quite sad about that. They loved their father, Jacob. And they, after the whole funeral procession, after they, they go back to Canaan and they, they bury him there, we see that sadness was not the only thing that was going on with the brothers. The brothers started to consider what their father's death meant for them, what their father's death meant for their relationship with Joseph. They began to wonder, were the last 17 years of peace between us and Joseph, was, was that just because of our father? Was that the only thing holding Joseph back from carrying out his revenge. And now that, that Jacob is dead, what's to hold Joseph back from finally carrying out his revenge and punishing the brothers as they, they probably did deserve? <laughs> but the brothers, they, they weren't the kind to just sit back and do nothing. They, they wanted to kind of take control of the situation. Uh, they wanted to, to insert themselves. And so they send word to Joseph. You, you might imagine that maybe they send, it through, send this word through Benjamin. He's maybe the the connector, the bridge between Joseph and his brothers. And here's the message that they send. Supposedly, this message comes from their father, Jacob. And it said, I ask you, this is Jacob speaking to the brothers to pass on to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And it's at that point that you, you kind, of, kind of begin to question the brothers a little bit. Was this actually something that 
they asked that the that their father Jacob asked them to pass on to Joseph. And if it was, why didn't Jacob just say that to Joseph himself? They had plenty of time to interact there in Egypt, 17 years to be exact. And it wasn't like they, they had a strained relationship. Joseph and his father were on good terms. Uh, if Jacob wanted to say this, he, he very well could have said that to Joseph directly. Could it be possible that these brothers are, are fabricating this? They're making this, this up because they, they figure, well, if this message comes from the father that we love so much and that we know that Joseph loves so much, well, then he'll have to honor that. And if we, if we take that approach, if we take the approach that they concocted this whole thing, then it's good for us to ask why. To which the answer is, is actually probably not that difficult. It might be a little bit more complicated than, than just this, but it seems like they were afraid that he was going to, to seek revenge, that maybe now that their father had died, something had changed. Maybe there was more layers to this. Maybe there was, was something else that was complicating this relationship. But I think we could say at the very least, they didn't believe that Joseph had truly forgiven them. And that would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? They knew the damage they had caused to Joseph. They knew that they had hurt him. They knew they, that they had hurt their, their father. Uh, they, they knew all of those things. And so it would make a whole lot of sense if Joseph hadn't actually genuinely uh, forgiven them because they didn't deserve to be forgiven, or at least that's how they felt anyways. But as you consider that, you might consider that this is not so much about Joseph and a little bit more about the, the brothers. You see, we, we've kind of talked throughout this series at great length about the forgiveness that Joseph had given to his, his brothers. That, that it was genuine forgiveness, that, that Joseph had forgiven his brothers and he was ready to move on. He wasn't expecting some sort of repayment from them. He wasn't hoping that they'd be extremely sorrowful every time that they were with him to prove that they were really sorry for what they had done. He had forgiven them and moved on. But the brothers, they seemed to have a hard time actually accepting that. And so the issue wasn't that Joseph hadn't made his forgiveness clear to the brothers. The issue was the brothers hadn't forgiven themselves. They felt really bad for what they did because they did see the damage that their sin had caused. In fact, over the last 17 years of being reunited with Joseph, you have to imagine that they probably became even more clear on the damage that their sin caused because they learned of all of the things that happened after they sold their brother into slavery. They felt so bad for what they had done that they knew they couldn't go back and change it. They, they couldn't remove the, the destruction that they had already created. And so they heard the words of forgiveness from Joseph, but, but they didn't believe it. They, they couldn't believe it because they couldn't forgive themselves. Why do you think that's so hard? To forgive yourself. Could it be, could it be that we know, we just, we just know that sin deserves punishment? 
That's wired into us. And so we know that, that even when we sin, and we know our sin, even when we sin, we know we deserve to be punished. And so if we can kind of linger in anguish, in agony for a little bit, if we can really make ourselves feel it, if we can punish ourselves in, in some way, well, then, then ju- I know justice is being carried out then. I know that I am getting what I deserved for my, my sin. Can you understand that logic a bit? But can you also see through it? Can you see through that logic and see that, that punishing yourself is really no, no different than trying to justify yourself? You're just trying to justify yourself through that, that punishment, as if inflicting some sort of pain on yourself uh, is going to, to make everything all right with God. And, and you know what that's actually saying to, to God? But when you, when you feel like you need to, to punish yourself for your sin, you're saying that the punishment that God inflicted on his son, Jesus, on our behalf, wasn't good enough or didn't count. It's a pretty serious thing to say. Why is it so hard to forgive ourselves? Could it be that we hold ourselves to a very, very high standard and sin obviously violates that standard. And so, if we are who we think we are, if we are who we built ourselves up to be in our own head, well, then sin is, is out of character for us. Sin isn't something we normally do. It's only extreme circumstances that would lead us into something like that. Can you see through that logic, too? Just another form of, of arrogance and pride that is rooted in the worldview of, of works righteousness. Why is it so hard to forgive ourselves? Well, you know, the answer is actually pretty simple. It's because forgiveness does not come naturally to us. We were all born under the law and we operate on the basis of the law. And the law doesn't forgive. It convicts. The law doesn't forgive, it condemns. The law doesn't give grace, but the, the law doles out punishment. And Joseph saw that at work in his brothers, and it made him really sad. It made him really sad because he had forgiven his brothers. He, he truly had, in his heart, forgiven them, but he could see that they were still carrying guilt. He could see that they still felt so guilty for all the things that they had had done in the past, and that hurt him because he knew that that had to be a heavy weight that they were carrying. He wanted them to know that they were forgiven before him and forgiven before God as well. But guilt can be a really strong thing, can't it? And the devil knows where all your open wounds are, and he, he certainly knows exactly how to exploit them. But at the, at the, for the sake, of, or uh, at the risk, I should say, of being redundant and saying what we said again last week, it's still true this week. The the truth we proclaimed, we said forgiveness is not a feeling. That's still true this week. That's still true applied to yourself too. You you may feel really guilty. You may feel a, a, a whole lot of regret for something that you did in the past. But God proclaims to you 
not a feeling, but he proclaims to you the fact, the fact that you're forgiven. He proclaims to you the gospel, that, that Jesus came and he took away your guilt. And you know, God knew. He knew the devil would still work on you. He knew the devil would still try to lead you to despair. He knew that you still might feel guilty even after you've received the forgiveness of sins. And so he gives you extra comfort. He, he says things like this in 1 John 3. He says, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God is greater than your feelings. God is greater than your hearts. And Jesus is stronger than your guilt. So, when your heart feels troubled, when you feel guilt, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Because no sin that you could, you could commit could ever take him down from the cross for you. No amount of guilt that you, you could feel could ever reverse the, the fact of his resurrection. No thought or word or action could ever separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God wants you to know that. And he wants you to be constantly reminded of that. He wants you to hear the gospel and hear it often because he wants you to know that he has taken your guilt away. That you have been forgiven in him. And so we, we practice this, don't we? Earlier in our worship service, we did. We did the confession and the, the absolution, right? We confessed our sins as, as a group before God. We laid it all out there before him, and, and we needed to do that. That's a spiritually healthy thing to do. But it's also spiritually healthy to not stop there, but then to also hear the words of absolution, that he has forgiven you for all of those sins that you just confessed. Now, now I know we're saying something kind of general when we say that, right? Uh, we, we're not confessing the, the specific sins that we have committed, but you know them in your heart. You're laying them out before God in your heart. And that forgiveness that he pronounces to you uh, through, through me is true. And it's healing. It's healing for that guilt that you feel. And it's healing that you need to experience on, on a weekly, more than a weekly basis. We need to, to confess. We need to be absolved. Our life should be a constant uh, practice of confession and absolution, excluding neither part of those. And maybe some of you have, have taken part in something like this, too. Maybe you've received forgiveness from another person, whether it was coming to, to a pastor to receive a one-on-one -on -one private confession and, and absolution, or maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a Christian friend that, that in conversation, that the conversation led to a place where you, you did confess something to them and they for, forgave you. There's a usefulness to, to not just public confession but private as well. To, to know that without a, a shadow of a doubt that those forgiving words of Jesus even include that sin. Even include that one that, that really bugs you. The one that you've tried for years to, to forget about. That they, the one you tried for years to move on from, that God's forgiveness is even for that. And in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you get to hear the, that personally. You get to hear that as a solve for your soul. You, you kind of got to marvel at God a little bit 
Because not only does he proclaim in his word that you're forgiven, not only does he, he do it in, in baptism, giving you forgiveness of sins, not only does he give you forgiveness of sins in the Lord's Supper, but he also surrounds you with people to encourage you in forgiveness, to remind you that you are forgiven in Christ so that you never forget. That's what he was using Joseph for to the brothers. He was using Joseph to, to speak kindly to his brothers. You know, Joseph, as a brother that has had a long history with his brothers, uh, he could have gotten pretty perturbed when his brothers still didn't believe him. They didn't believe that, that he had forgiven him. He, he could have reacted in a different way. But Joseph takes a certain tact in talking to his brothers. He speaks gently to them. He speaks kindly to them. He knows that their hearts are troubled and he knows exactly what they need to hear. He, he announces to them again, uh, they're forgiven. In fact, he, he doesn't, it, it almost, it's almost like he doesn't even need to say it. He says, no, God intended this for good. And, and so we're, we're good. We can, move, we can move on here. He reassures them again, not with just words, but with his actions. His support for their families, his provision for their families does not stop at the death of Jacob, but he continues to take care of his family, continues to provide for them, continues to show them again and again that they are forgiven before him and before God. You know, God might use you to do the same thing. He might use you to calm a troubled conscience. He might use you to assure someone that they are are forgiven. He may use you to assure what we know and what we believe that Christ is stronger than our guilt. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you like the content that we're producing, uh, could you help us out? Could you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on? This helps us get seen and heard by, by more people more often so that more people can hear about Jesus as their Savior. Thank you so much and, and have a great week.